You are listening to The Pulse, Rod Murray's e-learning tech podcast. Number 206, Jeffrey Katzman of Core Learning Exchange. That teaser was a part of the concerto number three in F major by Vivaldi. Of course, it's the autumn concerto. I thought it would be appropriate on this beautiful fall day. Stay tuned for the full piece at the end of my podcast. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by D2L. You may know their main product, the Brightspace Learning Management System. I, of course, would only accept sponsorship from companies and products that I'm very fond of. So please check out their website at d2l.com slash pulse podcast to learn more. I also invite you to follow me on Twitter. My handle is Rods Pods. As always, I post links to the things we talk about on my show notes website at www.rodspulsepodcast.com. My main topic today is my interview with Jeffrey Katzman. He's the founder and CEO of Core Learning Exchange. Quote, Core Learning Exchange prepares students for post-secondary success, including attaining industry-recognized certifications and credentials. End quote. We discuss Jeffrey's background, the history of Core LX, and how it's a mastery-based instructional model using badges. They use micro-learning playlists that Combine video, simulations, readings, and assessments. Their platform covers career and technical education. They have over 300 courses for grade 6 through community college. We talk about the impact of COVID on the lack of skilled workers and qualified teachers. One of the most interesting aspects of what they do is using AI in several ways. They use it, for example, to extract assessment items from text. That would certainly save a lot of time. Hot topics on their platform are AI, robotics, and logistics. I think that's just what we need. So without further ado, here's my interview with Jeffrey Katzman. Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining me today on my podcast. I'm uh, anxious to learn a lot more about Core Learning Exchange. Thank you. We're really glad to be here. So before I get into the nuts and bolts and ask you some of the something more about uh, in depth about your technology and what you do, tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm always I always like the learn about entrepreneurs and how they get involved in, in building companies like this? Well, it's been a long road. Um, back in the early 90s, I was uh, sort of at the cutting edge of, of multimedia um, and education, where we created that first generation of multimedia CD-ROMs that used to get stuck in the back of textbooks <laughs> back in the day. Um, and uh, Oh, yeah. Built my first company around that production methodology and kind of inventing a new media form. Uh, we sold that company and I started another company and um, we developed what came to be known as learning content management uh, solutions, uh, where we really kind of worked with Fortune 500, really Fortune 100 kind of companies with large instructional design teams that uh, used our platform to kind of create what we called as uh, learning objects, which are kind of reusable kind of educational content um, that could be published in multiple channels. So we were able to kind of mix and match content and push it through a publishing process to make it a website or an EPUB or a an e-learning course or that kind of thing. Um, the last company I founded was a company called Xylem, and uh, that was again kind of servicing that fortune 100 uh kind of uh market uh 
Uh, it was back, you know, right around the time that my kids were sort of getting into the education system, uh, which was a while now ago. Um, uh, I had this vision of kind of developing a platform that would be used in the academic market for K-12 and kind of kind of bringing all of my skills that I had learned up to that point forward and kind of looking out ahead and how to kind of create a platform um, and a technical solution that used this idea that we were um, exploring in the in the corporate world, which is competency-based education, where um, you know a student's pacing of learning is driven by their ability to master content, not by the pacing of a teacher. And that the role of a teacher in sort of we were doing these concepts with with you know up with corporations, you know, and and doing this with corporate education. I thought there was an application for it in. Um, K-12 um, education was where we started. So uh, I left the company I founded and started Core Learning Exchange with the mission of trying to kind of pr promote this concept of mastery-based or competency-based education. Um, back when we started this, uh, we were doing a lot of evangelizing as opposed to a lot of sales. <laughs> and uh, um, so we did a pivot and we applied for a small business innovation research from the U.S. Department of Ed, and we won. We were actually the number one application, and we used right. that we used that money and that that investment from the SBIR to make a pivot to apply our mastery-based instructional model to career and technical education, which in many ways, it's the old vocational education is kind of rebranded as career and technical education. Um, in many ways, th that was sort of a natural home for it because it has always been somewhat mastery based. I mean, you can't be qualified as a carpenter until you actually can build something or you can't qualify for, as a mechanic till you turn a wrench and, and do some, something concrete. So we started that process in 2018 and, uh, you know, proved it out a little bit. And over the years, we've just been kind of expanding. At the, that first year we did this, we had a, a carpentry course and a plumbing course. Um, and uh, since then, we've expanded the catalog to 300 courses, um, of which we, we span uh, grades six through really up into the post-secondary, really co community college segment of the market generally. Um, and we, you know, our mission right now is to Kind of use this instructional model of mastery-based learning to teach students um, in those grades uh, the skills they need to get really good jobs and so most of our curriculum is aligned to industry recognized certifications that have currency with employers and so our real mission right now is really to um, catch kids early enough in sixth grade start them onto a pathway that does career uh, exploration. So they do some aptitude and interest assessments and that kind of matches them up with um, career exploration opportunities. Um, and then they can start to plot out sort of, I want to be in the residential construction business, or I want to be in the computer business or the game design business. And they can work to kind of build up a stackable set of skills that get them to their goal. And that is where we sort of transition from high school to community college and, and where we're in the higher ed segment. Okay, wow. That's, so you, you went through a lot of uh, transitions from working with the uh, corporate world into uh, you know, secondary education. And uh, I'm wondering what, um, 
it's intriguing to you know when when of course ages ago when I went through school uh, there wasn't much there there was a trade school like you say but everybody seemed to be geared to going to college have you seen over the years sort of a um, or a rethinking of of that and having giving opportunities uh, both you know in both directions to to uh, students. Um, yeah, well, I think the trends have been kind of accelerating ever since COVID. Um, you know, there's, you know, th- there's a big problem out there that's just sort of a, an elephant in the room that uh, our educational institutions and programs are not really well aligned with what employers are hiring for. And the evidence of that is that there are giant shortages of workers in these kind of high paying middle skill jobs that don't necessarily so require a full four-year degree, but do require some post-secondary work. And I think the trend from employers is that they're evaluating kind of non-traditional degree pathways or non, non, non-traditional certification and credentials as, you know, proxies or even, even more valuable in some cases than a four-year degree because they are specific skill sets that have been documented that uh, are completely, you know, transparently applicable to a job as to something more abstract, like a, you know, a four-year degree in some cases. So um, I think the expectations of both learners and employers are changing really quickly. um, And that we're moving to this idea of being more of a lifelong learner and building up a portfolio of skills that you can then kind of um, adapt to, you know, a changing workforce. And Kind of how do you position yourself for jobs of the future? Well, you need to really be understand and have a, a pretty good inventory of your skill sets that are well documented, so that you can kind of stack them up against some profile of a job that you're applying for. So, how does this work? Do you you work with the uh, you know school districts? Do they have to adopt your programs um, as a whole, or do individual faculty um, come to you, instructors come to you for their particular courses? How does that engagement work? Uh, you know, it's, it, well, when we only had a, a small number of courses in the catalog, we were selling at sort of the teacher level. So if someone needed a curriculum to support their carpentry class or their Adobe, you know, in design classes or something. So at first we started there, but um, you know, now we're sort of elevating the um, the value up at the district level. So we're trying we're selling sort of, sort of larger deals that are more strategic. And the idea is that you know, with our platform loaded with this content, um, it enables CTE programs to kind of offer really almost co- courses in almost every pathway that lead to almost any job. Um, you know, just through our platform, uh, if they have the teacher. Now, that's the big if right now, because there's a huge exodus of teachers in both K-12 and higher ed. And so one thing that we've uh, just started doing recently is um, working with contract teachers to be remote instructors on our behalf to be able to teach virtual cohorts of students from across a large geographic area. So if you have two kids in a rural school that want to take, you know, um, a, a a, a computer programming class of some sort, you know, we can pull in two from here, five from there, 10 from somewhere else and, and really expand access and equity to these kinds of skills. I see. So, yeah, it's, uh, sounds, uh, 
more like what's happening in uh, some of the higher ed institutions where they're doing more and more online. Uh, I was I helped to launch a totally online program for our university and uh, using adjuncts. So it's essentially what uh, what you're doing. Um, what does the you know, a lot of the skills you're talking about are could be hands on skills. How, how do you bridge that gap where students might need actual hands on training in that regard? The spectrum of what career and technical education is pretty broad, right? I mean, there are 16 national pathways, and I'd say about 80% of the curriculum in our platform doesn't necessarily require a hands-on lab or, you know, practical experience. It all can be done from your computer, uh, you know, at a desk with a remote instructor. But for those kinds of skills that do require lab experience, we partner with this CTE center that has the lab. And in fact, we just, um, something that we're very proud of, and we're just beginning this project. We won um, a national catalyzed challenge uh, grant award, which is very prestigious award that uh, the, the grant focus was career connected education. And so, and one of the, the, the problem that we, we, we partnered with the um, IEAE, the uh, Indian Education, uh, 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 well, I can't remember the name of the acronym right now, sorry, but it's the, it's a tribal education group out of Wisconsin. And the problem that they had was that in tribal lands, there's a shortage of housing and there's also no one, no one has the skills to build the housing. And so the proposal that we came up with is a really good example of how we kind of blend kind of hands-on with this kind of virtual instruction, where we proposed that the students stay in their home schools, use our platform as a remote, you know, we have a remote instructor that kind of works with the students online for about 80% of the time. And then with some of the funding from the grant, they they bought a, a truck and a trailer loaded with all the materials and tools, and they drive to each site one or two days a week and they build at the local site right in the geography housing that then they flip and they use the proceeds from selling of that those housing units to fund the next round of development so it becomes a sustainable thing so that's great we partner with you know we provide a remote instructor to kind of handle the kind of nuts and bolts kind of of getting them up to the level where they're ready to swing a hammer and then then they, the truck pulls up and they start building. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's very clever. Give me a taste of what a typical course uh, would look like in terms of the balance between uh, assessment and videos and homework. Uh, what, what's the typical structure of a course? Yeah, so, well, first of all, the instructional model is based on this concept of mastery-based learning. So the students are assigned what we call a badge, one badge at a time and the role and rather than having the teacher lecture students work through what we call a playlist of instructional media activities and that those instructional media activities are kind of broken down into micro learning so you're doing a little bit of instruction and that instruction is you know the spectrum I mean it goes all the way from AR VR kind of simulation kind of activities to kind of traditional read 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 a passage and comment or something, so I mean it's 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 kind of a full spectrum. But 
our motto is that we're natively digital for digital natives. So it's a lot of video, a lot of engaging media. It's delivered in small bites and then interleaved with frequent formative assessments. And it's those frequent formative assessments that generate a stream of data that is monitored by the instructors. And so the instructors know exactly when students need more support and they know exactly at, you know, from which point in that playlist did they kind of trip up. Um, then they know exactly sort of, and they can drill into the data even further to get very precise information about what that student, what support that student might need. And at the other end of the spectrum is also, you know, some students that are racing ahead more quickly. So how do you manage as a teacher, you know, multiple variable pacing of learning? Well, we have this full library. So we have these 300 courses, but these 300 courses are broken up into these little modular units of instruction. And so teachers have the flexibility to kind of dip into that library and find supplemental activities that to provide extension if those students are racing ahead or they dip into that library and find resources to provide um, support for to help those students get over some academic deficiency that might be prohibiting them from making progress. Got it. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's impressive. That uh, certainly sounds like the best way to do it. There's a company, uh, uh, Newton, that was, I think, uh, bought by, by Pearson. So they were, they were trying that kind of What's the word I'm looking for? The intelligent recommendations. Yeah, <laughs> sort of like that. Exactly. Yeah, Newton. You know, we do use some AI. Um, we're start. You know, we're starting to find a lot of really good applications of AI in the last couple in the last year. Really? Um, yeah. AI is really uh, doing some heavy lifting where it was very tedious manual kind of work in the past. So anyway, I don't know if that's part of your part of our discussion. No, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm always interested in the latest uh, technologies uh, being, uh, being a geek. So yeah. What, yeah. can you tell me a little bit more about that? What, what sort of a, I, a, oh, yeah. AI so, platform uh, do you use or how do you apply it? Well, I mean, so it, we, we use it, we're, we're using AI in a couple of different ways. One is really interesting is that we're able to kind of use AI to abstract assessment items out of texts. So you just like drop a bunch, bunch of content into an AI writer and it will generate high quality um, assessment items for you. Wow. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So we use that, you know, a lot or, and we also use AI. Um, you know, one of the most tedious things that we do is that we align our content to uh, industry standards, right? And so you have to align a piece of content to multiple standards in many cases. You have to align it to the industry recognized certification blueprint so that you know if you're covering that part of the exam. Uh, but then you have to also, you know, every state has somewhat quirky, you know, rules and standards about sort of what is that the CTE pathway need to cover. And so you have to align it to, to those things as well. So we extract out of the content sort of the learning outcomes and we use an AI engine to say, find the best match in that taxonomy or in this taxonomy. And, you know, usually it's a very tedious, slow, yes. painful. Oh, wow, process. heavens. That's, that's really a great, uh, great idea. Would you mind telling me what, uh, who do you partner with for that? Or is it a product that you purchase? It's a product work? and I, 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 I am not versed in what they, what the technology name of the technology is. Um, I'd have to bring on my CTO who's, who's <laughs> with that stuff. But, 
um, I see the time savings that it's making us. So I, yeah, I could get that's, that's, that's that. very cool. The, uh, that, that abstracting, uh, that tool that I know the tool is that used that we use to generate, uh, assessment items out of content is called write.com. Okay. It's an AI writing. It's an AI writer and it's, uh, it, it, <laughs> it's, it, it's really going to, uh, throw a big wrench into the, world of copyrights because it can it can write better than humans <laughs> hey i could use i could use that <laughs> <laughs> believe me yeah. uh, very interesting so a, um yeah. on, on the technical side and how you deliver this uh i'm not as a, as um knowledgeable about what goes on in secondary ed but in in higher ed you know there's a handful of learning management systems um Blackboard, I guess, is still around even in, in secondary school, right? So do you plug into that or do you have your own LMS that, so, that your yeah, customers I mean, use? Yeah, sure. Um, well, so there's sort of a, a, a stack of technology that are used at schools and generally. Um, at the bottom of that stack are generally student information systems that are sort of the master database of sure. rosters and grades and, and transcript and that kind of thing. So that's usually our first, we, we are a learning management platform. You know, okay. we've, we've developed our own learning platform that is designed from the ground up to support this mastery-based instructional model, which if you look at Blackboard or Canvas or Schoology or any of these kinds of, or D2L, those kind of the, the big learning management platforms that have the biggest, you know, um, market penetration, um, they're designed for a teacher-led model. I mean, it's a one-size-fits-all. There's one syllabus. There's one curriculum. The pacing is driven by the teacher. Every student takes the exam on the same day, whether they're ready or not. Um, and, you know, there's no no accommodation for, you know, some students moving more quickly and other students moving more slowly and, you know, right. providing personalized kinds of support. And where they've added those kinds of mastery-based kinds of concepts they're they, they 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 feel like a square peg in a round hole um we're we're built from the ground up to support this idea we're going to meet every student where they're at and they're going to be the, the role of the teacher is to we, we are arming that teacher with data about when and what kind of interventions that student requires um and so we're a little bit different so we but so we we generally try to first tie into the student information system that's at the kind of the baseline but in many cases you know we have to tie into canvas or blackboard and so we'd also use uh, there's a set of uh, integration standards called lti advantage right ims global that we use and we use ims one roster and clever and you know pretty pretty much all of those um uh integration standards that kind of make uh interoperable data of systems work we're we're fully supportive of Got it. Got it. Well, that's good. You know, it certainly seems, you know, I've been hearing about competency-based education for, for years. Uh, and it seems like Zephyr can use more of that sort of thing in, in higher ed. Are, are you uh, planning to expand more in the higher ed realm? Yeah. I mean, I think we, we already are. We're kind of targeting. The, I mean, we, we really think that, you know, right now our vision is, is how do we get a student from the first idea that they might want to get a job to get the certifications they need to get that job. And often that extends up into community college. 
Um, and so, you know, we are, you know, selling already now into the community college market just just to kind of continue, make sure that there's always the next step in the pathway to get the student all the way to, the, to their stated goal. But as a platform itself, you know, again, uh, we're too small to really kind of pivot and kind of, you know, broaden and try to take on D2L or, or, or any of the other big, you know, um, LMS platforms. We feel like that this model has a lot of legs, right? I mean, it can be sure. applied to pretty much any area. And, you know, the original concept when we first started was let's take this, you know, the engine of this is this mastery-based learning man- management system, and you put different catalogs on top of it. And you can create, put different libraries of remixable kind of content. Right now, we're focused, really kind of squarely focused on the CTE, career technical education, and trying to skill up and finding these pockets where, you know, K through 14 workforce training boards, um, you know, any kind of adult education programs that might exist to kind of get people skills they need to get jobs. That's sort of our lane right now as far as marketing and sales but obviously the technology just the engine itself and we do have some white label customers that have taken our platform put slapped their label onto it and bundled it with their own catalog for their own educational purposes and so you know uh, when you know when we get enough resources and uh, investment or you know or or revenue to kind of fund it we will kind of re kind of retackle the mountain of trying to kind of sell this concept of just mastery based learning. But I have to say, um, you know, the first several years we tried to do this, we were educating more than selling, you know, people were still getting used to what is this thing? And we don't really understand it. And it doesn't fit with our block schedule. We don't know right. how to write report cards for it. We don't know how to document these skills, you know, and so there's and the registrars and the credit hours. I mean, there's so many things that run up against this idea of let's just teach someone find where they're at give them just what they need maybe that doesn't add up to as many seat hours as sitting in a seat you know for a carnegie right <laughs> right right exactly I'm, I'm with you on that well listen uh you mentioned uh you know some teachers are are leaving the uh their positions and of course we've had the impact of covid uh have you seen an increase in your business because of that, because of, uh, of COVID? What, what's happened in the past couple of years? It's been a little, it's a paradox. So our business has picked up. It's not as much as you would have guessed. I think, you know, what we've, I think if you talk to really anyone that's making any, trying to sell anything into the education space right now is that uh, there's such a high level of burnout and, you know, despite the fact, you know, there are some really strong tailwinds, right? There's all these kind of macroeconomic trends about like the economy's changing and we need workers in different jobs, then we're not really right. for that, right? And then there's a ton of money. So all the stimulus money from the last two years, billions of dollars flooding into the system to fund this kind of reorienting uh, uh, school and work, school toward, you know, the workforce. Um, but the, the countervailing trends are that schools are burned out, um, they're losing staff. And even though they might have a desire to kind of align their programming to what employers are doing, they don't have the teachers to do it. Uh, and so we're, that's the thing it's, you know, it's right now the, a lot of schools are just too exhausted to try anything new. 
Um, so we're kind of bumping up against now is not that even though we have the money, we just don't have the staff or time or patience or wherewithal right. to do to do something we need to do. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, understood. Um, well, listen, I think we're almost out of our, our time slot here. And I'm wondering if there's any final thoughts you'd like to address to uh, to my audience about, uh, you know, where you're going and what needs to be done. Yeah, well, our, our whole mission really is to help organizations at every level in the academic system align what they're doing to really a dynamically changing workforce. And, you know, we're not really just preparing students for jobs that exist now. We need to start thinking about what kind of infrastructure do we need to prepare students and reskill existing employees for jobs that will be coming up soon and in the near future and in the in the future. And, uh, you know, this idea of kind of looking at labor market data, talking to employers, and then establishing these pathways, that's our whole business. So if you have a social need of, if you're, if in your community, if you're seeing that there's too many baristas and not enough carpenters, that, and you have baristas that have PhDs or master's degrees, you know, you, you know something's out of whack and, you know, come talk to Core Learning Exchange. <laughs> that's a that's a good selling point. I, I hope you have some courses uh, on robotics. That seems to be such oh, a yeah. uh, hot topic robotics, now. Robotics, AI, logistics. That's a big one. Yeah, coming. Yeah. So we got it. Well, all. great, great. Thanks, Jeffrey. I really appreciate your time and uh, uh, best of luck. And uh, I'm sure you're going to uh, succeed. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Hey, thanks so much, Rodney. I look forward to hearing hearing this playback. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I certainly learned a lot about this kind of education and how important it is. I think their platform addresses some really important needs for our students in this modern age. Stay tuned for Vivaldi's Autumn Concerto. Until next time, have a great week.
that's it for today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to give Rod feedback. You can leave comments on his blog or send email to rod at rodspulsepodcast.com. The preceding audio commentary is the product of the author, Dr. Rodney Murray, and does not represent the official viewpoint of any other institution or company. Podcast.